You're listening to a Broadmoor Podcast production. In today's message, Josh Brady concludes with week four of our home series, where we explore the mission of the church and how that mission is uniquely expressed through the faith family at Broadmoor. As we hear from his word, as always, we pray that God would challenge and change us so that we can become more like him. Well, good morning, church. How are we? Great. You sound enthusiastic. Fantastic. It's going to be a great day. If you have your Bibles, would you open to Deuteronomy chapter 6? Deuteronomy 6, that's the text that you have just heard read before you. Uh, Now, I'll give you a little bit of look behind the curtain, uh, because as we are working through this, today's going to be a special day, right? So uh, you'll hear more about this, about mission, vision, values, outcomes, and, and potentially a challenge that is going to come at the end of our time. And, and if you are a part of life groups, today is going to be incredibly unique for you, particularly adult life groups, for your life group is all going to meet in this room right after the service. Uh, And so I'm going to give you more information on that in just a moment. But in the building of this service, um, they said, hey, pastor, think you could go about 20 minutes today? And I was like, probably not, but we can get close. We we can get as close as we can to it. Uh, And so originally I gave them verses one through 25 uh, and we have called it down to verses, I think three through 13. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a big time together. All right. So you're finding your way to Deuteronomy chapter six. That's where we are. And I'm here to remind you that this is our home series. We are in week four, the final week of this home series, and in this series, you have heard, hopefully, the heartbeat of Broadmoor, and it's going to serve two purposes. I told you week one, and I'll remind you again this week as we wrap it up, two, two, twofold. If you have been a guest with us for, for any amount of time, or maybe just in these couple of weeks, our prayer is that you would see truly who we are, or at least how our heart beats for the Lord and for this community. You, you'll, hear, you'll hear our mission. You'll, you'll see it up on the screen, uh, our mission statement. We are a united family of faith, joining Jesus on his mission for the glory of God and the good of our communities. We, we believe that this is who we are. Like, like we, we are called to this. Well, then the next week we looked at, at values that we have. There, there are six values that we run behind here that we submit to God's word as the authority of our life. We pursue reconciliation. We equip disciple makers. We run to the hurting. We cultivate real relationships. And we live generously. And then last week, you heard an incredible sermon from Pastor Jay Fletcher, our group's pastor, on our strategy and what that looks like. And and you saw this great graphic up there that in three different arenas, through worship and and, and groups and serve, that, that that's how we believe that you have inroads into the life and ministry of Broadmoor But none of those, none of those are going to be meaningful, nor are they going to be lasting if we are not as a a group or we are not as individuals abiding in the person of Christ, right? So so you heard that sermon last week. And as we come to, to today, this brings us to where we are. We are simply reminded of this. Now, now we may use different language, like, like we, our, our mission statement, our values, our, our strategy. You may say, well, Josh, I, like, I see those things, but, but I, want, I want, just simply want to remind you that these are all coming from the heart of the Scripture. Our mission has not changed. Our mission at Broadmoor, and if you have come from a Christian church, your mission is the same as this mission, and it is the Great Commission. It's to go into all the world and make disciples for Jesus Christ. 
That, that is our mission across this globe. Big C Church, that's who we are, right? So Matthew 28, for those who love note-taking. We, we know what our values are. It is to love God and to love people. Jesus has asked, Matthew 22, what's the greatest commandment? It's to love your Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You'll hear that today in the Shema. And to love your neighbor as yourself. It is to love God and love people. Those are the values that we run behind. We believe the six that we present to you as a church family do exactly that. And then, then there's this, this idea uh, of outcomes or, 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 or where, where we're going, clear, clear about our strategy, the, the worship, the groups, the serve, and, and how all that is in abiding. Now, this is one of my favorite sermons to preach, the text that's here, but I'm not going to preach it today, but it's Acts chapter 2. What, what happened when the, church, when, when the church became born again? What did they do? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to breaking of bread, to fellowship and to prayers. And the Lord was gracious to them. And he is the one who added to the number daily. And so a lot of times, hear me out, a lot of times you'll hear churches come up on, on vision weeks or vision sermon series. And the goal is going to be, we want more people in the seats. That is not our goal. Our goal is we want to see people in the seats love God in the way that God created them to be loved. That's what we want. We desire. We want you to grow in depth in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Yes, we want to see the lost reached. We want to see them one for the glory of God. But what we see from the scriptures is God is the one who saves. We are the ones who disciple. And so it is our goal. It is our heart unapologetically who we are. Our heart beats at Broadmoor for discipleship. We want to see those who God has called into his family of faith, discipled, strengthened, deepened, and encouraged to go and carry this gospel to the nations. So, so we believe that with all that we are. Our prayer over these four weeks have been that you would see the heartbeat of this church. So whether you are a guest or whether you have been a member for quite some time, that you, you would see who, who we are and decide, is this the place where you are going to plant your, your roots and allow them to grow deep. This is a place where, you, where you're going to say that your, your family and your kids and your grandkids, this is where we are going to be because we believe God has called us here. That's, that's big. Do you believe, and hear me out, not that this is a place where you can get only. I do believe we offer a lot of great things here. But that's not, that's not the heartbeat of church membership. The heartbeat of church membership is what do you have to give for his glory? That, that, that's what we are trying to communicate here. Our heart beats for discipleship, not just here in, in, in this local um, Broadmoor facility, but in the city of Madison, in the county of Madison, in the state of Mississippi, and in these United States and around the world. Our heart beats for discipleship. So when you hear us say that we are a united family of faith, joining Jesus on his mission for the glory of God and the good of our communities, this is how we see the faith family working out discipleship. When you, when you see our values, that we see that we're going to love God and love people. When you see our strategies to worship, group, serve, and we're going to do that in abide. We want you to know how you can get involved in God's work here at Broadmoor and the community that he planted you in. But all of that is great. How do you know that it's actually working? How would, how would you know that you've joined Jesus on his mission? How would you know that we are a united family of faith? How would you know that we're bringing glory to God and good of our communities? That's hopefully what today is mostly about. 
like these outcomes, the things that we believe will be evidences of us living out this truth in our life. So here are the outcomes. You will see them on the screen. There are seven. And hear me out. Before, as you're looking at them, you can, you can see them. But as you look at those outcomes, I want to be clear. As Jay Fletcher mentioned last week, and I want to be crystal clear on this, they are not checklist. So if you go and say, oh, born again, good. Submitted to God's word, good. Fellowship, uh, worship faithfully, good. And you get to number seven and you check that box and you say, ha, look, I'm there. In the Christian faith, we never arrive. We, we are always striving in the faith. We, we, are, always, we are always walking. We are, we are always journeying with our Lord Christ. And so when we look at this, I want you to, to not see this as much as a checklist of things that are either done or not done, but I want you to see this as something that you are growing in. Right? So, so our very first one, our outcomes, how will we know that this is working? Well, number one, that people would be born again. Like, like we know that, that it is God's desire that all men would come to him. We know that. We, we know it's his heart that all men would not perish but be saved. That's what the scriptures teach us. And so when we begin to see people being born again in this faith family or, or who, are, who are coming into our services and also those who have nothing to do with the Broadmoor faith family, at least that gathers and for the hour on Sunday, but because of the effect of the Broadmoor faith family, we see people being born again, we can say we are a united family of faith joining Jesus on his mission. When we see ourselves submitting to God's word, that's a big deal, and, and again, I'm not going to spend a whole day on it, although we may, could, and should. The, the idea to submit to God's Word is not just to read it, although that is a great start. It's really hard to submit to something you don't know. And so, yes, to read, that is just step one, but to submit to say that this book is the authority of my life. Therefore, if you ever come to a place in your life that you are reading something and God is working through His Word and speaking to your heart through His Word, and you get to a conflict... The conflict being, it's either what I desire or what this book says. Guess which one should win out? Not us. If there's something in this book that we say, no, I know what's true, and this book tells us something else is true, guess which one is not true? Us. This book is the authority of our life. We submit to it with all that we are. We worship faithfully. It's not just for one hour on Sunday, but it does mean this hour on Sunday. I believe this is a holy hour. I believe that when we come into this place, I do believe, I believe with all that I am, there is something that affects us physically, not just for this moment, but for the week. We receive from one another and we give to one another, and it is a beautiful thing, but we are going to worship faithfully, not just in corporate settings, but also in our, our own private settings. That we will connect to the body. Like, like these are just overflows. This is what happens when we are united. This is what happens when we are joining Jesus in his mission. When we're bringing glory to him and we are bringing good to our communities. We connect with the body. We want to be with one another. I think there's something wrong with it, church. And I know, I know we lived on the fallen side of eternity right now. But there's got to be something wrong that if, if when we pull up to church and we see somebody and we're like, oh no, there they are. You know, kind of like you treat some of them folks at Kroger. You're coming up on aisle nine, you're like, whoop. Like, I know, I've been there. I saw you. I saw you buggy. Look, you were, I got you. We, I ain't mad at you. We connect with the body. We want, we want to see each other. We want to do life with each other. We serve intentionally. 
Like, like in, our, in our hearts, we want to say, look, I, I have gifts to give. Where, where should I serve? How, how can I serve in the church? We want to give cheerfully. This is a beautiful thing. Our church is a generous church. I'm so thankful for the way in which you give. But my prayer would be, because I don't know this, I don't know your heart. Do you, when you give, are you glad about giving? Or is it a sad thing for you? Is it just kind of a, a dutiful thing for you that you're just like, ah, oh, I don't want God to be mad at me, so here's 10%. But I'm giving it after taxes because I'm not giving before. I'm, I'm giving here because I want God to, to at least keep that record of good. When we are a united family of faith and we're joining Jesus on his mission, the overflow is his money is, our money is his money. Our life is his life. Lord, Lord, you want it to go here? I'll go here. Lord, you want me to channel it here? I'll channel it here. Wherever you want it, God, it's your money. I'm just, I'm your servant. Here it is. Do you do that glad and joyfully? That's what happens when we are united with Christ and united with one another. And then finally, we, our heart beats to make disciples. So every opportunity you have, every person that you meet, every conversation you have will begin to, to ring in your mind, this is an opportunity for me to help this person see Christ and know Christ and to have him walk along with me as I walk along with him. The Apostle Paul said it that way, you follow me as I follow Christ. And that is our call as well to the people that are in our life. I want you to follow me as I follow him. And we are just journeying in this life together. These are just the overflows, the outcomes. How will we know that we are united? How will we know that we're joining Christ? How do we know that we're bringing glory to God and good to those around us? We believe that those seven things are going to be the overflow for us. So what do we do with this information? I think it's time to commit. Because I, I don't, I don't, we, don't, we don't have any more information to give you necessarily. You've heard the mission, you've heard our values, you've seen our strategy, and, and you know what we believe are going to be outcomes for our life. So the question is, what are, what are we going to do with what we've heard? What are we going to do with the information that we have? If you're considering next steps here at Broadmoor, I think there are, there are many that you can take, but, but a few that are going to be pretty strategic. But bef before we get into there, before we get into the actual commitment time, I want to center us back on God's Word. So Deuteronomy 6, if you have your Following Jesus Bible, that's page 189. And the reason that we go here, the background of this passage is God's people are about to take the promised land. They're incredibly excited, they're motivated, and they're nervous. They received their mission. Their mission was to go take the land. They received their values. It's called the Ten Commandments. And they were to, to love God and love others. They had their strategy. Keep their eyes on God at all times. He led you here and he'll lead you there. But even with all of that knowledge, God wanted them to have something else before they crossed over the river. He wanted them to have a reminder, a challenge, and a promise. And to get and keep their attention, he, he tells them quite, quite authoritatively through Moses, right? And, and he, he says, listen. That's what Shema means. 
So you've heard us say this before. If you have done parent-child dedication at Broadmoor any time over the last three years, this passage more than likely was read in that moment. And so you've heard it probably read a couple of times in this room, but I don't know if it's ever been the center of a sermon text. And so today we're going to go pretty quickly through the Shema. And this is something that for Jewish people, even still today, it is paramount to their life, their everyday life. It's a part of their morning and their evening prayer. And I believe with all that I am, it still should be a part of our everyday life. If not the, re- the reciting of it, it should be at least the implementation of it. And so when you, when you hear Shema, it means listen up or listen. And that's why when we get to Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 3, it starts like this. Hear, therefore, O Israel. That's the ESV's nice way of saying, listen, and be careful to do them. Talking about the, the commands that were the, the previous two verses. That it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, and the land flowing with milk and honey. Here's actually where the Shema starts, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. And these words that I command to you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them on signs on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and of your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, to give to you with great and good cities that you did not build and houses full of good things that you did not fill, cisterns that you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and you are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt and into the house of slave, uh, and out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God shall you fear, and him shall you serve. By his name you shall swear. All right, so so that's the Shema. Morning and evening, every day, 365, the Jewish people then, and even still today, still part of the practice today, that they would recite this over their families. Because it would be a reminder, it would be a reminder that God is getting their attention. God is the focus of their life and God wants them to hear something. That God loves them, loves them so much that he's given them a land. And this land's going to be incredible, something like they've never experienced. All right, so for Old Testament scholars in the room, let's, let's do a little pop quiz. They're heading towards the promised land. They're, they're on the cusp of crossing the Jordan, going over. They have spent how many years in the wilderness? 40 years in the wilderness, right? Prior to the wilderness, they were in this vacation city named Egypt. And they were there for how long? 400 years. They became slaves in that place. They were treated awfully in that place. They begged God for deliverance in that place. And God gave them a deliverer in Moses. Joshua was his right-hand man. So God delivers them. Remember the the Ten Commandments? 
This whole idea, whenever, whenever we see in this, this season where, where God sends Moses to go to Pharaoh and stand on their behalf and then through, through the ten plagues that come through, we have that last plague and Moses uh, is told by Pharaoh, go ahead and go, leave. So they leave and they begin to go. For 40 years, they wander in the wilderness and they finally get to the edge of the Jordan River. They're getting ready to go over into the promised land and they receive this word from God. God wanted them to remember something. Because for 400 years, their worship was strong. Do you know why? Because through their adversity, they had nothing else to lean on but God. They were hungry, they needed God. They were sick, they needed God. They had family issues, they needed God. They needed deliverance, they needed God. They needed God for everything and they knew it. They go into the wilderness. They needed God for everything, and they had him. Every single night, there was a pillar of fire that led them. Every single day, there was a cloud that stood over them to make sure the sun wouldn't scorch them in the desert heat. God was there with them, but something big was about to happen. God was going to move them into a place of incredible blessing. You, you heard it. You heard how he said it. Look, you're, you're going to go into a land that is flowing with milk and honey. I'm sure there was milk and honey, but that was just a description to say there is more goods in this land than you can ever fathom. There's going to be houses that you didn't build, but they're ready for you to walk in and live in. Look, there's, there, there, there's olive trees planted, there's vineyards of grapes planted. You didn't have to plant them. You're just going to walk in and you're going to pull the olives off the trees and you're going to pull the grapes off the trees and you're going to enjoy what those things bring to you. There's going to be cisterns, Doug. There's going to be, there's going to be water supply all around you and you didn't have to lift a finger on it. But there was a danger that stood before them. And it wasn't the danger of the people of the land because God had already promised he would deliver them of that. The danger was themselves. That as they walked into the land of plenty, that they would begin to forget God. It would look something like this. God wanted them to remember that they were created to worship him and him alone. God wanted, wanted them to keep this truth from them. God wanted them to, to understand that, that literally no, no one could actually forget they were going to worship something. God wanted them to, to so, so God wanted them to say and memorize and teach this truth to every generation. And, and, and here's why. Not because God was too weak. I think some people, that, that's their estimation of God. Well, why would God say, worship no other gods before me? Is he too weak? Is he too insecure that no one else would be able to enjoy a different way of life than what God says? Absolutely not. God gave them the Shema as grace to them. He is not a, an angry or a weak or insecure God. He is a loving and merciful God, desiring to keep his children safe and near to their and our source of abundant life. If you were to keep reading in Deuteronomy 6, you would see a couple more warnings. And if you were actually to continue to read in the Old Testament, you would see that the warnings, they probably should have been listened to a little better. Because the history is going to begin to repeat itself, that God is going to bless his people, and in the blessing, they're going to forget it's God and believe it's them. 
And then their life is going to fall in shambles because of the weight of the glory that should have gone to God. They've put on their own shoulders and it crushes them. Here's the temptation. The temptation will be that they will forget God to the point. They will forget that God called them. They will forget to be the one, forget that God is the one who promised them. They will forget that God is the one who gave them all these great and wonderful things. And in their forgetting, they're going to begin to believe that they were the causers of these great things. That somehow they have become the great ones. That they are the ones who deserve all the glory. The problem with that is we were never created to wear God's glory. It is too heavy and it will crush us. So I pray today that this will illuminate much for us. Church, we live in a very rich place. Success and achievement and blessing are abundantly everywhere. If we are not careful in Madison, Mississippi, if we do not remember that all of this is from God, we will begin to believe that it came from us. When that happens, we begin to worship not God, but ourselves. Here's how it can begin to look. We, we no longer ask, God, what do you want from today? God, what's your plan for my life? God, what brings you the most joy? And instead, we begin to say things like this to our own heart. This is what I want. This is my plan. This is how I'm going to do it because this brings me the most joy. So how do we make sure that we remember God in all things? We keep his word in front of us and in front of our families. We remember that our stuff is really his stuff and is to be used for his glory and the good of others. Now with that in mind, we have created a goal. We call it a one-year goal because it's going to run between today and the end of next July. And we pray that this goal would suit you and your family. And hear me out. You're going to see it come up on the screen right now. And I want you to be reading it, but I want you to listen to my voice as well. Multitasking is the name of this game. Here's how it's going to go. You're going to read that and you're going to say, wow, that seems ordinary. And it is. But if you read it closely and you allow it to marinate for a moment, And you begin to ask the question, am I doing this already? Here's the one-year goal. We want to see 500 families. We we have a lot more than 500 families associated with this, this membership. But we want to see 500 families, homes, devote themselves to being transformed by engaging in regular worship with their household and living generously in their communities. Now, I have some qualifiers for this, okay? Because you may say, Josh, we're already doing this. This is great. But, but let, me, let me put some qualifiers on it. What does it mean for regular worship in your household? And what would it mean to live generously in your community? All right, here, here's what it would be. For the, for, the, for the regular worship, it is this. We are asking you, church family, to commit to four days a week of opening this word and reading it out loud to your family. Four days a week. And it, legitimately, there are some of you in this room saying, other people don't do that? <laughs> yeah. 
Life's fast, isn't it? Like right now, you're already making the, the excuses of, man, I have this, we have, we have ball on this night, <clears throat> we have dance on this night, we have school activities here. Where are we going to find the space? Listen to me. The reason the Shema was so important for God's people is because when they were about to receive their blessing, God said, you need to have this before you get that. And so for us, church, we live in the land of blessing. Everything that we want is before us. And if we're not careful, then we're going to believe that the life that we get to live is a life that we created. And we begin to forget it was a life that God blessed us with. And if that's not bad enough, left unchecked, that is going to then go to your next generations. Your kids and your kids' kids and your kids' kids' kids. And so the way that we believe that we can be a transformed church is through simple devotion to what God has already called us to do, these spiritual disciplines. So in regular worship in your household, we are asking you to commit to this today, four days a week of reading God's word out loud to your family. You don't have to read a whole chapter. You don't have to read a whole paragraph. Pick a passage of scripture, gather everyone in the room, Read out loud God's word over you and your house. It doesn't just have to be the dad. It doesn't just have to be the mom. It can be the kids. Kids, hold your parents accountable. Gideon, when we don't do this, grab your Bible and say, buddy, circle up. Like, we, we need this. Church, we, we need the accountability of our family. The second part, that we would live intentionally, generously, one day a month, each month. And so here's what it would look like, right? And so again, we are, we are not only doing this for us, but we're passing this down to our, our next generations. And here it is, that we are saying to, to our family, we are going to forego something that we would generally do once a month, not do that thing, and take whatever time and money we were going to spend on that thing, and then go and do something different of kingdom value. Now, I don't know what that would look like for you, I know what that looks like for us. A lot of times, people will tell you, how do you know what you value most? How do you know what you are worshiping now? Simply go to your, your, your bank website, put in your information, and pull up your last 30 days of debits. Go to your credit card, do the same thing. And, and what you're going to see is a pattern begin to emerge of what you worship or what you love more than other things. Strangely, we tend to be worshiping Mexican food at the moment. <laughs> it's delicious. We're going to be there shortly after church. You are going to take a moment, something that means something to your family, something that will be meaningfully missed. Carve that out and intentionally. This isn't flippantly. It's like, oh, okay, well, I would spend $50 here, so here's $50. No, 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 no. Don't do that thing. Because you are more than your money. You are your time, you are your passions, you are your efforts, you are all of those things. God gave that to you. So take that, carve it all out, and say to your family, with a plan, get them together, and let's create a plan together and say, here's how we are going to serve our community this week. Can you commit to that? Read the Bible four days in your home, out loud to everybody gathered. Serve one day intentionally, generously, in your community for the glory of God and the good of those that are around you, right? 
So here, here's our opportunity for response. In just a few minutes, I'm going to pray and we're going to move into a response time. We're going to move into the offering time. And I want you to consider what your next steps are going to be. Maybe you've been visiting with us for a few weeks or maybe a few years. Some of you, a few decades. I'd like for you to begin praying about your partnership here at Broadmoor. Is this going to be something that you want to, to be a part of, a place that you want to, to plant roots? Membership is so important to us. And we believe that we are better for kingdom work when we are united and committed to Christ and one another. So maybe you're ready to start that process today, and we would be honored to pray with you in just a few moments down here and begin that process. You can go ahead and mark your calendars for the next Foundations class. Every new member uh, is going to walk through that class, and our next one is going to be offered September 17th. It's going to be during the Life Group Hour. So that's a potential opportunity for response for you. But here's one that everybody in this room is going to have a chance to respond to, to our one-year goal. When you walked in this morning, you received a card, hopefully you did, that looks like this. Would everybody take it out and hold it just like there? And hopefully you also received a Sharpie. And hopefully, little ones have not drawn hieroglyphics on the back of the chairs. So when you receive this, and maybe you received further instructions, maybe you didn't, but this is going to be your commitment card. And so here, here's what this is going to, to do. On the screen, you're going to see a way in which that you can commit, what, what it potentially would look like for you and your family. And you're simply going to write. So for us, it would say, the Braddies committed to the one-year goal, or the Braddy family committed to the one-year goal, whatever that would, would be. Or maybe it's just your name committed to the one-year goal, that you're going to read God's Word four days a week, out loud, in your household. You're going to serve intentionally one day a month the glory of God and the good of our communities. So if you would just take a moment right now and you would, you would put your name on this card. And in just a few moments, what's going to happen is we're going to take offering and we're going to have a chance to respond. And, and like I said, we'd love to pray for you this morning, but you would take this card and you're going to put it in the offering plate as it comes by the offering basket. And if you've not walked around the church yet, you'll see some new signage up. But particularly when you go to the venue, when you go kind of that direction, right over there, you're going to see a really big display set up between the two doors walking into the video, venue, and you're going to see little um, house shapes that these are going to soon go in. Here's what we're going to ask you. If you keep yours, don't go amongst yourselves and put them on the wall. Please don't do that. We ask that if you were going to commit to this, that you would write your name as potentially it would appear on the screen, and you would put it in the offering basket when it comes by. And this is, again, this is just an outward expression of the inward commitment that you are making. And this is going to stay up for a year. So that as we walk by, we are reminded. Well, Josh, what's going to happen? Just like it does with my Bible reading plan. Just like it does with my New Year's resolutions. Just like it does with anything that I promise I'm going to do. And I get two weeks in and I'm excited about it. And then all of a sudden, I don't do it anymore. And I feel this immense guilt. This is not a guilt thing. We are not going to love you any more if you do this or any less if you don't. I don't believe that God is going to love you any more if you do this or any less if you don't. But I do believe that if you commit to reading God's word regularly as a family and serving people around you as a family, you are going to be incredibly blessed. Because a lot of times it feels something like this statement. 
After you read God's word and you realize that your family is connecting to it or you serve somebody and, and they are so grateful and you realize that, that God has sovereignly placed you in their path and sovereignly given you stuff that they need to, to, to have needs, uh, needs met. And potentially it sounds like this. It was almost like I was created for this church. You were created to love God and love people. This is just a simple expression of that thing. And so that's what I'm asking you today. Will you commit to loving God and loving people in this way? So just so we're clear, our purpose for doing this is by way of reminder and by way of remembering. It is to help us stay on mission, to join Jesus on his mission for the glory of God and the good of our communities. At the end of next July, we believe that we will be a transformed church, a year marked by God's word being central in our lives and in our homes, and a year marked by intentional generosity and sacrifice. But we must remember the glory of all of this belongs to God and God alone. Do not forget him. Do not forget that he is the giver and sustainer of life. So, are you in? Our worship team is going to come back out and we're going to move into our response time. We'd love to pray with you down front. Maybe, maybe you've been here for, for a couple of weeks and you're saying, I'm in. I want to be here at Broadmoor. Maybe you've been here for decades. And you say, hey, it's time. I'm ready. We'd love for you to come. But we ask that everyone respond in some way with that card that we gave you. But as soon as I finish praying, you'll see the folks coming to collect the offering. And you would just simply put that in the offering basket that comes by. I'm so thankful to do life with you. I'm so thankful that just in the simplicity of spiritual discipline, that God has already trusted us to read his word daily. And to serve people well. It's what you already do. We're just asking you to be strategic with it. Not just for your good, but for the good of those kids, those grandkids, for the generations to come. This is how they will know God, and we want them to taste and see just how good he is. So, would you pray with me, church? Father, we thank you. We love you. We praise your holy name. We ask now, Father, that as we move into this response time, that you, you would lead us to make a sober commitment, a commitment to say before you and before each other that we are committed to this, this goal of just simply reading the scriptures four days a week, at least, and that we are, we are committed to, to living generously sacrificially for your glory and the good of those that are around us. Help us always remember, Father, please, please help us always remember that anything that we have has come from you. All the glory that we have around us is yours. We were never created to wear it. We were never created to claim it. And so, Father, right now in this moment, Yet again, we give it all to you. We love you, Jesus. And it's in your powerful name that we pray and we now stand and respond, church.
Would you stand with me?